Well, we want to be a people of the word of God. And in order for us to do that, uh, there's some things that we have to do, some things we have to know, some things we have to believe. The first thing for us to be a people of the word is that we must know the word made flesh. John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one, we read that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So from eternity past, before oxygen and hydrogen combined together to make water, before the first photon of light zipped through the darkness, the word was with God. This, and this word wasn't simply uh, with God, but the word was God. So we see that, that, that the word of God isn't this abstract thing that's out here. No, it is God. It's God himself. It's the son of God. God, we see a, a, the Trinity here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Son of God is the Word of God. Let's move down on to verse 14 of John chapter one. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Word took on human flesh. He wrapped himself in bone and muscle and skin and walked the dust of the earth he created as a Middle Eastern Jewish man named Jesus. He lived alongside the people that he created in his image and he picked the bones of fish out of his teeth while he ate with his disciples. He pulled splinters out of his hand while working with his dad and wiped sweat from his forehead due to the hot Jerusalem sun. The word became flesh and experienced all that we experienced yet with no sin. He never sinned, never went against what his father says. Notice the text says that we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus perfectly reveals the father, the one who is perfectly perfect in all his perfections. He's perfectly righteous and just and true. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus perfectly revealed God as he is because he is God. He is God's perfect self-revelation. He's the picture of God. He's everything God wanted, wanted to say to us. And that's why John uses the term word to describe Jesus. All throughout history, God has revealed himself through his word, through his pronouncements, his judgments, his promises, his edicts, his rules, his laws. And through this word, we understand God's character and nature, who he is. And you and I are really no different. Uh, we reveal who we are through our words. You don't really know somebody until they, until they start talking. And depending on what they say, you either like them or you don't, right? Through our words, we share what we like, what we dislike, our preferences, our prejudices, our, uh, our, our personality quirks and our character. We show who we are by what we say. In the same way, God shows who he is by what he says. And Jesus is the perfect final word of God to us. And we know that this, that, that this word became flesh because God preserved his word in written form for us. What, a, what an amazing gift it is to have the Bible. We have this written revelation in our hands. And this book written by the Holy Spirit through about 40 authors, 66 books over the course of 1500 years contains uh, uh, God's self-revelation to us. When we read it, it's not as if God is speaking to us. 
God is speaking to us. And every letter of that word points to the word made flesh, the final word, Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Christ. And Luke tells us that Jesus, when speaking to some of his depressed disciples, uh, after he had died and resurrected, this is before they realized that he had resurrected, teaches how the word, all of the scriptures are all about him. Verse 27, he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So this word, this Bible is about uh, Jesus Christ and its purpose is to lead us to life in Christ. John's extremely clear in, in, in this purpose in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is why God has revealed himself, so that we would have life in uh, Christ, to, to have eternal life with God, to exalt Jesus above all. God gave us this word so that we would know Jesus came to live a perfectly righteous life, die a sinner's death for us, so that the wrath of God stored up against our sin would be exhausted on him, so that we could be forgiven for our rebellion against our creator and freed from the chains of sin and live a life faithful to God, pleasing to him. And so the question that you have to ask yourself before you can talk about, am I a person of the word, is do you know the word made flesh? That's the starting point and the finish line, is do you know Jesus? And you cannot understand the word of God if you don't know Jesus. You don't have the ability to do that. It's all about him. It will not make any sense if you don't know him. Jesus even says this to the religious leaders of the day in John chapter 5, 39. He's talking to, to the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So right out the gate, point number one is, do you know Christ? Have you trusted Christ? He came to give his life for you so you could have life in him and so you can come to him today. So in order for us to be a people of the word, we must know the word made flesh, but also we must have the word in us. Psalm 119, uh, nine through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Notice the psalmist's desire here. It is, it is to live a pure, righteous life before his holy God. It's so that he can know God. My whole heart I seek you is what he says. The heart is the whole of a person. It's, it's, it's your entire humanity, your will, your thoughts, your desires, your affections, your purpose. And the psalmist is declaring that, that this ultimate uh, purpose is that he, he would have a burning passion to know God. And so how does the psalmist plan to do this? 
by knowing and doing the word of God. He knows God by knowing the word of God. Verse 10, let me not wander from your commandments. 12, teach me your statutes. 13, with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. 14 and 16, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches, I will delight in your statutes. So why is the word of God his delight? It's because through the word, he knows God. God reveals himself through his word and that's how he knows him. So what does he do? Verse 11 and 15, I've stored up your word in my heart. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. He gorges himself on the word of God, storing it up, treasuring it. He meditates on it. He, meditating here, uh, Eric said it way better than I'm gonna say it right here uh, a few weeks ago. So go find that sermon, listen to that. But it's, it's not a purging of the mind, right? No, it, it is a gluttoning of the mind on the word of God. You are pouring it in and mulling over, chewing on it, considering it, thinking through it and its implications. And so in order for us to be a people of the word of God, we have got to get the word in us. Shocker, right? We've got to feast on it, listen to it, memorize it, and mull it over. And we gotta treasure it. But for so many of us, this is really, really hard. Unbelievably difficult. Why? I don't think it's because it's a mind issue. I don't think it's an intelligence issue. We like to think it is, but treasuring the word of God is a heart issue at the end of the day. The psalmist's heart treasures the word of God, so his mind engages the word of God. Get that? Because here's the reality. Our sinful hearts will pine for anything that's not the word of God. It's not a matter of attention or intellect. You might not be a word expert, but you know everything there is to know about the latest Marvel movie latest Disney, Disney show, cat stats, theological controversy, parenting fad, or organizational leadership tidbits and books. Because we know about what we love. That's just reality. And so the reason why getting the word of God in us is so difficult is because our hearts are tuned to listen to every other word. There's a cosmic war of war words going on around us, and we are constantly constantly, especially in our day and age, barraged by competing words that rage against the word of God, grasping to pull us away from it. But ultimately, this isn't an out there problem, right? Like we can say, oh, the, the, all those words out there are so terrible. It's an in here problem, the heart. And it's a problem that started in the Garden of Eden. Since that time, Satan has been raging against God's word asking the, the venomous question, did God really say? And we are constantly at war with this question. Did God really say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did God really say if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Did God really say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Our sinful hearts are tuned to the song of the serpent. I, wo I wonder if for some of us, we don't even know that because we, we, don't, we don't even know if we're hearing the serpent's voice, did God really say, because we don't really know what God says. 
It's so easy for us to grab onto every other word besides the word. We feast on words flowing from newsrooms and Twitter feeds and leadership podcasts and Facebook comment sections and productivity books and political commentators and Netflix series. And we starve ourselves on the word that gives us life. We live in a flood of words that are screaming at us to buy whatever garbage they're selling, whatever perspective they're peddling. And so we must be glutted on the word of God so we're not starved on the word of God. And I'm not up here standing as someone who's got that figured out, who's really good at that. Years ago, this church grew like a wildfire and, uh, and it, to be frankly honest with you, outgrew my capacity. <laughs> and so I was like, I've got to be a better leader. Uh, it felt like I was, I was like holding on to the reins of a runaway like horse cart or something. I don't know, I've never done it before. I don't know why I used that illustration. <laughs> And so I, 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 started, I, I started, you know, just reading every leadership book I could find. I started listening to leadership podcasts, reading articles and, and, and even going to uh, uh, seminars and, and classes and those kinds of things. And I think that was good. I think that's, that's a good godly thing. I wanna serve well, so I wanna be competent, right? Uh, competence and servants, service are, are synonyms. They hold hands. But the problem with that is that my time in the word waned almost to the point where virtually non-existent except on Sunday mornings. What hypocrisy to stand up here and be like, you have got to be glutted on the word of God while I just didn't at all. So it's a heart condition to believe that there are other words that lead to life and freedom. And then you're probably, you might be sitting there going like, yeah, that's me. Like I don't, like Sunday morning is all I, is all I get with the word of God. But here's some good news. Jesus is the only one who perfectly desired to cherish and obey the word of God at all times. This psalmist heart is Jesus's heart. And Jesus is the only one who actually treasured the Father's words above all other words and did the Father's words perfectly. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus is being tempted by Satan and rebukes him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus treasured the word of God on your behalf so that in him, you could treasure it too. It's all him. So it's a matter of treasuring. What do you treasure above all? So church, let's let our feasting on the word reflect what we deeply treasure. Charles Spurgeon, powerful Baptist preacher said, visit many good books. It's fine to get other, to, to get other information. Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. We'd be a church that lives in the word of God. So to be a people of the word, we must know the word made flesh, and have his word in us, and we must be a people of the word. So in order to be a people of the word, we gotta be a people of the word. Wow, profound, you're, you're a genius. So uh, we're, we're moving into Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. So this is right after Pentecost, where Peter preached a powerful sermon about Jesus, and 3,000 people believed the gospel and were saved. It's like a Billy Graham crusade on steroids. Like, it was amazing. So Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had 
need. Notice 42, they were devoted. They devoted themselves, meaning give constant attention to. Their whole mind and heart and body is engaged with, the, with what? The apostles' teaching. This was the teaching of Christ. This wasn't some man-made doctrine they were just making up. No, this is the Spirit empowering these men to teach the word of Christ. The Holy Spirit led the apostles to teach this word after his ascension into heaven, after they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And he gave them his gifts to the church to unveil uh, how the Old Testament revealed Jesus and how to live as a people in light of Jesus. They were unique in that. And this was their response to the revelation of Christ, the word made flesh. 43, and all came upon every soul. 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So wonder just rushed over the people uh, of the kindness, the mercy, and the wisdom of God. And they were unified in every single way. They were together. And so this good news of Jesus produced a deep love within the people for Christ and for each other. The, the word of God isn't just for you. I say this, we say these things all the time. It's for us, right? All of the yous, almost all, the yous in the New Testament are y'alls. They're not just you. So the word of God is clear. In order to be a person of the word of God, he must be with the people of God. You literally can't obey the word of God by yourself. It's not possible because there are 59 one another's in the New Testament. This isn't all 59, but love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, don't provoke one another to sin, teach and, and admonish one another, rebuke one another, don't lie to one another, submit to one another, build one another up. You can't obey these one another's if there's no one another around you, right? And it's not, and I would say this, it's not generic one another's out there. It starts in the church, where, that's where the letters were written to. And so in the church, we embrace the word together and the spirit of God moves us together towards Christ's likeness. Like we're all going in the same direction towards Jesus. And through his word, God teaches, instructs, rebukes, encourages, trains, and disciples and disciplines his church. And through the church hearing and obeying, we're going through James, obedience to the word, God builds his church, continuing on verse 46 of Acts chapter two. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we delight in being a people of the word of God so that others will delight in being people of the word of God so that others will be saved and Christ is exalted so that we can be a church that says day by day, the numbers will be added to this church body. It's not so we can pad the giving. It's not so we can say, look how great we are. No, it's so that people don't go to hell and they go and be with Jesus forever. And we have great hope that the word of God is not ineffective. And it's not just by looking around this room, although that is a pretty good testimony. But from the word, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God has promised that his word will accomplish all that he desires for it to accomplish. May we be a people who treasure the word of God above all other words. And let's pray that God would use his word in our lives and in the lives of folks here in Madison County onto the ends of the earth. And may his word resound from this place and accomplish all his purposes. Let's be a people of the word of God. Treasure it.